like to open the word and, and talk to us this morning from Genesis chapter 22. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. And um, thank you. Thank you so much. The highest call of a worship team is to worship so powerfully, so mightily, with such a pure heart. To come before the God, before God, with such a pure spirit of praise and of worship that it's contagious and spreads to everybody around like a wildfire. A hot fire, so hot that even wet wood will dry out and ignite like that. A fire so hot that it burns anything that gets close to it. That's what worship is about. That's what life in God is about. That's who we are. We are lights in this world. We're salt. We haven't lost our saltiness. We're salty. We stick out. We infect everything around us and infect everything around us. I'm going to talk about God this morning and, uh, and how he dealt and deals and will deal. In Genesis 22, and I'll, I'll read it. <clears throat> and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt or try Abraham and said to Abraham, behold, and Abraham said, behold, I am here. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, who you love, and get into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. He saddled his ass and he took two young men with him and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose up and went to a place which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, you abide here with the ass and I will take the lad and go yonder and worship and come again to you. I'm going to go worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they were both of them together. And Isaac said unto Abraham, his father, said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And they both went them together. And they came to a place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there. He laid the wood on it. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar of wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fear God, and thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. 
as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. God is our provider. I look at this story, it's a story that's so familiar with us, to us, but it has such profound meanings. Um, it, it, it happened in a special place. It happened in a land, a hill called Moriah. Moriah is a place that keeps coming up in scripture. It's very prominent. It's a place of, of a sacrifice here. It's a place of love, intense love. It's a place of, of, of worship. It's a place of, of uh, God meeting our needs, of intercession, of a vicarious substitutionary sacrifice. Moriah is prominent because we see it in David's time, when David numbered the people and a great plague broke out in Israel, 70,000 people were killed. And David records, or in Chronicles, it's recorded that David looked up. He was at, at, the, at the palace on, on the mount, the temple mount. And he looked up from the palace and he saw the angel of the Lord standing there with a sword drawn, hovering between heaven and earth. And he feared, and, 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 and this angel was ready to destroy. And another angel told him, take an offering, a sacrifice, and provide it for the people. <clears throat> and he told him, go to Onan, the Jebusite, to his threshing floor, and purchase it. Take that place. That is the special place. That's the place where you will offer the sacrifice to appease, to stop this angel, to stop the death, to stop the destruction, and to make amends so that your people will not be killed. He went there, he bought the land, bought it for full price, bought the oxen, bought everything there, sacrificed them there, and the destruction stopped, and the angel stopped. Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1 tells us that site, that place, Moriah, would become the place where the temple would be built, where Solomon would build the temple. It is the holy mount. It is the temple mount. It is that place in Jerusalem. It is the same place that Abraham was instructed to take Isaac, his son, and take him to this place. It is the same place where years later another lamb would be sacrificed, would be brought up a hill, would carry his own wood, would go up that hill, would lay himself down all by himself, not constrained, not pushed, not made, would face another altar. Only he would be slain for the people as well. So I want to talk about Moriah, and I want to talk about the lamb. The sermon of, the the title is, is Behold the Lamb, the Lamb of God. And here in Genesis chapter 22, we see this. It's interesting. One of the first things we see is that he says, I want you to take your son, your only son, who you love. There's a rule of interpretation with scripture called the, the rule of first use. When you see something, a word used the first time, it sets a stage, it gives parameter, it gives flavor, it gives you an idea of how it will be used after that. If you want to understand how a word is used in, in the context of it, look to its first use and it will give you hints and indications. This is the first place the word love, love, loved, lovest, loveth. <laughs> That's what Bible you use. It's the first place the word is used. 
It's not used anywhere before this in any of its forms. It's used here because it's a picture of a lamb. It's a picture of a sacrifice and it's a mountain of love. Love is the predominant characteristic and feature of this mountain. And it's a, though it's a place of sacrifice, though it's a place of judgment, though it's a place of, of so many other things, it's a place of love. And he says, Abraham, take your son, your only son, who you love. And you may be thinking, well, what about Ishmael? But Ishmael's gone. Isaac is the son of promise. Everything is in Isaac. All the eggs are in the basket of Isaac. Isaac is his future. Isaac is his legacy. Isaac is everything. He's the promise. Abraham loved Isaac. Take your son, your only son, who you love. But Abraham loved someone more than his son, and that was God. He loved his son, but he loved God more. He'd gone through many things in his life from the time he was called. He was called out of the land of his fathers, and he journeyed halfway. He got to Haran. He stayed there until 75 years old. He journeyed down farther, and he did okay, and he built... Uh, altars and he dug wells and he had a wonderful life of serving God but yet he went to Egypt he made mistakes I'm glad for the example of the life of Abraham he was a man of faith he believed God his faith was counted to him for righteousness he's a picture he's mentioned more than anybody else probably in the Bible every place I went to look at the lamb Abraham's mentioned he's mentioned in Romans 4 he's mentioned in Peter he's mentioned in uh, Hebrews he's mentioned everywhere everything builds off Abraham but I'm glad that he made all those mistakes. I'm glad that it took him a whole lifetime. I'm glad that he did something. The, the road was long and winding. But he eventually got to this place. It was the last great trial. It was the last great thing for Abraham. And he passed it. He brought his son. He took him on those three days journey. And he got to the mount that God told him of. It says he took him up. He left the guys behind and he took him up. I want you to understand that Isaac was not a little boy. Isaac was a young man. Abraham was an old man. Abraham was over 100. What Isaac did, he did willingly and he did voluntarily. Abraham could not grab him by the ear and say, you come with me, young man. We're going up to the mountain. Isaac went willingly. Love was a two-way street. Love was the love of the father that listened to God and would have taken his son. But love was the love of a son who willingly complied and who willingly went, who carried the wood just as Jesus would carry the wood some 2,000 years later up that same hill, carrying his cross, not because he had to, not because he was constrained, but because he had love. He's climbing a mountain of love. Mariah was a mountain of love, and Jesus would climb it as Isaac climbed it. Isaac is a pretty close parallel picture and typology of Jesus Christ. From the miraculous birth to this incident on Mariah, and we don't see him again until a couple chapters from now. We see him at his marriage, waiting Eliezer, the servant, would go into the far country and get a bride for him. And he would wait. And Eliezer would bring that bride. And Isaac would look from the field and see her. And hoo-hoo! And she would see him. And it was all good. And they would, 
have that marriage supper and there's coming a time where Jesus has the Holy Spirit bring to him as the porter, as the servant, as Eliezer did, will bring a bride to him and present that bride to Christ, the bride of Christ, the church. And there will be a time of rejoicing then, but I'm getting ahead of myself. That's how we close, not how we begin. But those are the only three really incidents you see with Isaac. A miraculous birth, a sacrifice, and a marriage supper. Hallelujah. Anyway. It's a mountain of love. It's a mountain of judgment. It's a mountain of a vicarious sacrifice. They take a son, your only son. Another thing is Abraham split the wood. He had to prepare this. It wasn't just something we're going up there. He split the wood. Abraham knew what he was called to do. He knew what he was going to do. Abraham meant business. He took this boy and put the wood on him, something prepared. The cross of Christ was prepared. It was prepared from the foundation of the world. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That cross was prepared. His, his lot was prepared. The cup that was delivered to him was a cup that was prepared for him uh, for, 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 for eternity. The things that he would go through, he was well acquainted with. Love climbed on that altar. Love gave his hands to his father. Love let him go up and get on the altar. Love did it all. Without love, it wouldn't have happened. Abraham loved his son, but loved God more. God loved his son, but he gave him for us. Isaac loved his father, and he was obedient. Jesus loved also and laid down his life for us. He says he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. He learned obedience, and he was obedient unto the death, even the death of the cross. Mariah is a mountain of love. The cross of Calvary sits on the mountain of love. Mariah is a mountain of judgment. And, and sometimes we want to ask why, you know, talk about judgment. I, I, you know why? Because we're a bunch of knuckleheads. It wasn't even in the garden. We're in a garden that's a paradise. And in that very garden, we have, we have uh, doubt. We have insurrection against God. We have... Uh, believing a lie, we have shame, we have discouragement, we have covering, we have trying to do it our own way instead of God's way, we have a lack of repentance. Right in the very garden. They're out of the garden, and it's not a few years later. It's not one just same generation. One generation, and we have hatred, we have uh, envy, and we have murder. It don't, didn't take long. It didn't take long. When seed of sin was planted, it didn't take long. It sprung up and it corrupted. We can look today. You know, it's always, it's always a difficult thing, Pastor West, when you're, you're, you're speaking to a congregation of people that are saved, that know God, that have been to the well, that, that, that know the delivering power of the blood of Jesus Christ, and you start talking about stuff like this, about sin and its consequences, because people are going to say, you know what, I'm good, I've been there, I've been there, and I'm sanctified, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm working for God, and I'm knowing God. But I want to tell you something, that judgment, that, that knife that Abraham carried, and that fire that he carried up, you know why he carried, they didn't have lighters, 
couldn't get a Bic lighter or a Zippo lighter, they would carry fire in a little pot and put some coals in it, like a little hibachi that you could carry, because you couldn't go up there. This is in Jerusalem. This is on the high hill country. Getting wood alone is very difficult. So he carried that fire. Fire speaks of judgment. Fire speaks of judgment. Everywhere you see it, we're Pentecostal people. We like to yell about the fire, not yell. We like to, we like to rejoice in the fire. Fire, 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 hallelujah, Holy Ghost fire. But when you see fire, it's talking about judgment. Filled with the Holy Spirit and fire is, is, is about judgment. Jesus said, I, I, the, the, I came to reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is to convict us, to judge us, to bring us to ourselves and show us a mirror. He brings us to a place of judgment. He doesn't leave us at a place of judgment, but he brings us to a place of judgment. Judgment is a critical place for us to go. It is an important step. Until you go to judgment, you don't go anywhere else. He brings us to judgment. He brings us to fire. He brings us to a mirror. He brings us to a place where we can look at ourselves. Sin is a problem. Sin is a big problem. We blow sin off. We make sin it's like, an, it's like a minor inconvenience. It's something small. You know why we do that? We, 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 we count it as something that's just a little bump in the road. It's just a few bugs on the windshield. But I'm just going to keep on going. I'm just going to plow through because it's just, you know, it's, I, I've been to the place. It's, it's all taken care of. But is it all taken care of? Sin is a problem. You know how you know how bad sin is? You know how you know how much something is worth? How much will someone pay for it? You know, I can, I can sell these glasses. If someone would pay $1,000 for them, they're worth $1,000. If not, they're worth 99 cents because I buy three pairs for $2.99 at Job Lot. And I break them, throw them away, and buy another three pairs. I just had to buy another three pairs the other day because somebody keeps breaking my glasses on me. And, um, but something is worth what it would be paid for. What did God pay for sin? What did he pay to take sin out of our lives. What did he pay to take care of it? He, you know, we say we're forgiven, but we're really not forgiven when you put it that way. Forgiven is just, don't worry about it, blow it off. It's okay, just forget it. I come over your house, I break a glass. It's okay, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's a precious air loan, but that's all right. Don't worry about it, you know? You don't have to pay for it, because you can't. But don't worry about it. Forget it. God didn't do that. You know what he did? He paid for it. He paid. He paid the ultimate price. He made the ultimate sacrifice. He was the vicarious sacrifice for sin. He was the Lamb of God. And he is the Lamb of God. And so sin is not to be dismissed. Sin was paid for. It's to be addressed. It's to be confronted. It's to be looked at. But then when we look at it, we don't dwell in it. We realize that he paid the price and I can move on because of what he did. But we don't just blow it off.
Moriah is a mountain of the vicarious substitutional sacrifice. This is what love costs. This is what God paid for our sin. This is what he, you know. There are sins that I used to commit, that I used to live in, that I used to love, cherish, relish, revel in, hold dear to myself. And as a young man, Christ introduced himself to me and I repented of them. I forsook them. I renounced the devil and all of his works in my life. I renounced those ways. I renounced everything about it. Maybe it's just me. Stuff keeps just popping up in my lawn. Little yellow flowers just keep popping up. Stuff keeps reoccurring. Stuff that I don't want that I don't love, that I don't cherish, that I don't revel in, that I don't embrace. The difference is that I don't want it, love it, cherish it, or embrace it. But it's still there. It's not as bad as it was. It doesn't lead me around like a puppy on a leash. It doesn't have control of me. It doesn't put me in a cage every night. But you know something? It's still there, knocking at the door, scratching like the dog who wants to come in. It's there, a little crack and it's in. And knowing that makes me stay close to the one who takes care of it for me. Makes me stay close to him. Where is the lamb, Isaac asks. God will provide, Abraham says. God will provide. God does provide, doesn't he? God did provide. In the Old Testament, the question was, where is the lamb? But in the New Testament, John the Baptist would see Jesus come, and he's standing there baptizing people. Here comes Jesus. Behold the lamb. Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. No more where is the lamb. Where is the lamb is a stage in our lives. Behold the lamb is a stage in our lives. We are not at where is the lamb today. We are at behold the lamb. God is working in my life. Things are different. Judgment, that mountain of judgment has come. It has made me face some things, but now I'm in a different place. I'm in a place of behold the lamb. Behold the working of the lamb. We have a wonderful worship set this morning, and we enter in because we know who the lamb is. We're in the presence of the Lamb. The Lamb is with us. The Lamb is in us. He's having our way. We are children of the Lamb. It's no longer, where is the Lamb? If we were people of where is the Lamb, we'd have sat right down in our seat when the Holy Spirit was moving today. We're not there. We're here. But you know something? We haven't arrived yet. Because it may be a time... Genesis 22, where is the lamb? And John 1, 29, behold the lamb. But there's coming a time in Revelation chapter 5 where it's worthy is the lamb.
blessing and honor and praise and glory. Power be to the Lamb. We are, as I mentioned, there's three mentions of Isaac. One is his miraculous birth, just like Christ. One is his vicarious sacrifice, being up on the hill, just like Christ. One is his marriage, just like Christ. Let me go back to this time on the hill. Abraham's ready to to kill him. Isaac puts himself on the altar. He makes himself a sacrifice. All of a sudden, the angel stops him, calls him twice, stops him. He looks behind him, and what does he see? He sees a ram. Why a ram? Because there's only one lamb, and he wasn't it. He was a picture of it. He was a type of the lamb. He wasn't the lamb. The lamb had to come later. You might think, how could Abraham do this? The scripture gives us a little indication of this. It talks about it in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 19. That Abraham believed God. And he believed that the God who was able to make his dead body able to have a son. And make Sarah's dead body able to have this child, that could bring life out of death, was able to raise this child from the dead if he killed him. Resurrection was the promise that kept Abraham and made Abraham able to do what he did. It's the promise that made, the belief in him that made him able to comply and to conform to the will of God because he believed that God was able. God is able to raise up that which is, is lost. God is, the things of God, uh, to go back to last week, yay and amen, and, and, and resurrection is no problem for him. He specializes in taking dead and making it alive. He specializes in taking ordinary and making it extraordinary. One of the proofs of who Jesus is, is that he could take plain old stuff and make fantastic, unbelievable stuff. Amen. One of the proofs of of that the high priest, when they had the rebellion in the Old Testament, was they would all take their dead old walking stick, old dead walking sticks, and lay them before God, and he would make Aaron's rod bud and blossom and have fruit all at the same time. That was so significant that that's one of the three things that were put in the Ark of the Covenant. This walking stick that was a dead old stick that was made alive. It's a proof and a type of Christ. It's what Abraham believed was possible here. God will provide. First Peter, chapter one, verse eighteen through twenty. I have all these ribbons, but they're all going to the wrong place. Here it is. It says for as much. As you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation, which means your empty manner of life. And you received by tradition from your fathers was handed down. But with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for us. Christ is the lamb of God. He is the lamb of God. Moriah is a place of love. 
It was God's love that brought him down to us. He so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. We know it well. God commended his love toward us, and now we're yet sinners. He gave Christ for us. He ransomed us to himself. God is a God of love. He's a God of, of now. He's a God of purpose. He's the God of Moriah. The Old Testament was Isaiah. In Isaiah 53, he talked about the lamb, the sacrifice in the temple mount. In the New Testament, he shows up in God's son, not in typology. In Genesis, it's where's the lamb. In John, it's behold the lamb. In Revelation, it's worthy of the lamb. Where are we today? Let me read Revelation chapter 5. We went over this the other day, the other week, in Carol's, Pernado's Bible study. And it's just been in me ever since. I just can't get it out. I'm not trying very hard, but maybe that's why. It says, they fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of incense and the prayers of the saint. They sing a new song, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals. You redeemed us by the blood uh, the, uh, the redeemed by the blood of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. Um, Say with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature that was in the heaven and in the earth and under the, under the earth and such are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power to him that sits upon the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the elders were bl- praising God and the, the, the angelic hosts were praising God. Everyone was praising God. It was a time of the lamb. The lamb is no longer where's the lamb. The lamb is no longer behold the lamb. The lamb is worthy as the lamb. The lamb is, in, is, is, a, is a place where we're going, where we enter in, where we have experience and fullness and joy and blessing and, and peace and, and we don't face judgment anymore. The fire doesn't fear to make me afraid anymore. The knife doesn't scare me anymore because I've been to the lamb. <coughs> I've been to the mountain. I'm not anymore in that place. I'm new. He's made me new. He's created me fresh. And I can live in his presence. I can live in his power. I can live in his anointing because I've been to the mountain. I've been baptized. I've been with the lamb. And I can, I can relish in his presence. And that's why this morning we could stand and worship and come before him because we stand on the right side of the mountain. We stand on the right side of the fire and the knife. We stand on the right side of the wood and the cross. We stand on the right side with the lamb. The lamb has made the difference in our lives and we're able to worship because we know him. We're preparing, not now, but we're preparing for a marriage supper. We're preparing for a wedding. I I, I say before, I never used to really care for weddings too much. And uh, my wife has corrected my attitude. And... uh, so now I like weddings. I like weddings. I like going there. I enjoy the whole celebration. I enjoy the dancing. I enjoy the, the celebration and, and being with people that love each other and committing to each other. I enjoy the food, and, and I like the cake. I, I especially like the cake, Pastor West. I like the cake. And, and I'm looking forward to going to a special wedding of all the weddings that I attend. And I love going to weddings now. I've been thoroughly converted, and I love going to weddings. Um, I just want you to understand and know that, okay? Um, 
but of all the ones I go to, I'm looking forward to one special one. It's a special one. It's a marriage of the lamb. It's, it's, it's not, no longer, you know, where is he? Or there he is. But it's here he is, and I'm in his presence. It's worthy is the lamb. I'm, I'm before him. I'm worshiping. I'm, I'm in this place where I can revel in his presence. When, when he has become my sacrifice. It's not about sacrifice. It's not about sin. He took the place. He went on that altar for me. He hung on that cross for me. And, and that's, that's a finished thing now. Now it's about worthy is the lamb. I'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I'm saved by the blood of the lamb. Are you saved? Are you redeemed? Are you glad? Are you ready to go to the marriage supper? Are you ready to praise him, to worship him, to be light, to be salt in the land, to make a difference, to come down from that mountain like Isaac? What do you think those guys thought when he went up there? They knew what was going on. Here he goes with three days wilderness out, and he's going up in the hill with the, oh, this doesn't look good. And the kid's carrying the cross. I mean, the wood does not look good. What do you think they thought when they came back down? And how did they come back down? Did they come back down like they went up? They came back down seeing the presence of God, seeing the provision of God, seeing what God had provided, seeing the miraculous wonder of God. They came back down knowing that I went because I loved and I was obedient. And Abraham went because he loved God more than he loved me. But we came back down knowing not only do we have love, not only do we have obedience, but we have a provider who provided a lamb, who provided a ram, who took my place. He took my place on that cross. He took your place on that cross. He took our place. He paid for our sins. He didn't just blow it off and forgive it, but he took my place. It's a place of vicarious sacrifice. Mariah. A place of love, a place of judgment, but a place of sacrifice and a place that I can come down from. I can come down from. We're down. Those guys, there's people that look at you and they wonder what's going on with you. But you know something? They know when you went up the hill. They know how you looked and they see you now that you've come down and there's a difference. They came down a skipping and a running, and a jumping, and a hallelujah, and, and a praising. And Isaac's thinking, you know something? I'm a young man, and I'm going to wait till I'm 40. And at 40, Rebecca's coming, and I'm happy. <laughs> I can't wait for the good things that God has. That's, that's what it's about. Stand with me. God, we thank you so much for your goodness. God, we thank you so much for your goodness. We are, aside from you, wretched sinners. In you, we are redeemed, purchased back, bought, blood washed, made anew. Still sinners, but redeemed. But there's coming a day when we will leave these shells behind. When you will take what you have created anew out of the box and throw the box in the trash and take that special thing you made home to be with you. 
There's coming a day we'll rejoice with you. There's coming a day we will not be shackled or fettered with the things of the world. But we'll be able to just worship before you and just praise you. Just thank you. Just cry out and sing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. When we won't ask, where is the Lamb? Or we won't say, over there is the Lamb. But we will bow before you. We will acknowledge you as the Lamb of God that took our sins away. Not just the sins of the world, but my sin. Cleansed me, cleaned me, make me right. Fill us with your spirit, God. Have your way with us. Let us be a people of your presence. Bless richly, God, I pray. Let your spirit flow through us. Bring us into a place of your spirit and presence, God, where where the current, what we believe is reality, is not as important as the real reality of eternity in your presence. Bless, I pray, your children today. Meet the need. Meet the need, Lord. Provide the ram in the bush. You've already provided Jesus and his blood. Take us through each day, I pray, God. Bless your children. Let us be light and fruit and salt in this world and make a difference. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.